December 12, 2024. It's a lot for Pedro's show. show happy friday a little bit of hiccups getting in the way but not gonna stop us start off this show with the live excerpt from birdland march 2 1963 john coltrane my favorite things and then comatines with dial tone because of those skype engineers well from the estonian Inventors there. I got teams with dial tone. Where did you get that track? Uh, Howard sent it to me. Anyway, I, I, you just fucked up my fucking intro for you. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. It's a lot from Pedro show. There's no wrong answers. There's no hard questions. There's no <laughs> fucking way to do things right. But it is audio only. So if you turn your video off, maybe less chance of dropouts. Since they can't okay. really see you anyway. <laughs> it's, it's off. Okay. So, please, Nick, uh, 
bring your earliest musical recollection, please. My earliest musical recollection? I, I guess it's taken piano lessons when I was six years old. That's really my earliest one. Um, I mean, I've had cats on the show. They said they heard shit while they were still in their ma. <laughs> uh, that's probably true. I mean, my parents were very musically adventurous. It's the, my parents were the first place I ever heard Bob Dylan. My, my parents, they bought a Bob Dylan album when it first came out when I was a little kid. And, uh, yeah, and then, of course, the Beatles came along and, and blew my mind. And, well, let uh, me ask you this. I saw that. You said something yeah, about... I saw that yeah. performance on Ed Sullivan. You said... Yeah, but I didn't ask about that. <laughs> Unless you want to call that your earliest thing. But you said Piano Lessons was your first uh, musical... Or your earliest musical recollection. So I'm wondering, was it your idea or was it your musically adventurous parents? I think it was my musically adventurous parents. Okay. Now, I've had people on the show, they've almost fucking quit music because of the quote piano experience unquote was it a good experience for you it was fine although i can't say that i was uh, exactly sure why i was doing it but as i say when i saw the beatles i suddenly uh, fell in love with music uh, completely and uh, then i understood why i was doing it but there was no piano player even though rock and roll is piano music even though rock is piano music, it was, yeah. it's true. But I just, I just, uh, music suddenly hooked me, and I started after actually after piano. I started with drums, and I worked up from there. Well, let me ask you this: there was instruments in the pad, right? A piano. Was there other stuff? There was no other stuff. It was well, just what about piano what first. about school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? I was in. Junior high, I was in the orchestra. I was a timpani player. Timpani. Uh, okay, so yes, there's the drum connect. Exactly. But before that, no. I did not take music in school. But I, I'll tell you this. In the old days, like, uh, say, in old days, like big band stuff, it was like everybody who wasn't a horn was in the rhythm section. Absolutely. So, right? The guitar, the bass, the drums, the piano, all that. Because the I loved so the timpani. I loved it. And the kids, the kids were fascinated with it, too. You know, tuning a gigantic drum with your foot and uh, playing those big booming notes. Just loved it. What was the first record you bought with your own money, Nick? Oh, my God. The first record I bought with my own money. I can't remember ever having money. Um, well, when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot. That's why I asked that question. That's the thing. Uh, I think, uh, gee whiz. You know, I think it might have been, I think it might have been Mad Dogs and Englishmen by Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker, the drummer man. Or actually, two of them because it was. Uh, oh, they were fantastic, Jim yeah, Gordon and Jim uh, Gordon, Jim Keltner, and Jim Keltner, absolutely. Yeah, Leon Russell brought him out from Tulsa. I got to record twice with Jim Keltner. And told me Jim Keltner's just a, a, a dream, man. The guy's amazing, incredible, and actually Jim Gordon too. But uh, yeah, you wouldn't want Jim Gordon be lost his, his mother. Mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just lost him last year. You know, he was at the. The Vacaville criminal thing. And because of those royalties from Layla, uh, they all had musical instruments there. All the people in that, uh, you know, mental ward thing. You know, years and years later, I, I, I had a major label deal and we were recording a, an album in Criteria Studios in Miami. And the actual piano used at the end of Layla was in the studio. 
and I uh, I told the producer, you know, let me let me play the end of the piano part of Layla, record it for me, and I want it as a souvenir. So I, I played the end of Layla on the Layla piano, and I have a tape of that to this day. I'm very proud of having that. Yeah, bitch. Small world. You know, listen to Ricky Don't Lose That Number, that Dan tune. The way he builds it up, it's incredible. It's really beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I think Jim Gordon was, I think, my favorite drummer back then. Absolutely. Have you ever, you know, the most rock and roll song that uh, Harry Nielsen ever did, Jump Into the Fire? That drum mm. solo is so fucking happening. Fantastic. Yeah, I love it. And Herbie Flowers' bass, you know, he do, because it's in D, right? So he detunes it while they're recording. <laughs> and it tunes back up. I love it, man. He also did the Walk on the Wild Side, both bases, right? Stand up and electric. Let me ask you this. Not after school, like graduating, but after school in the afternoon, did you get into the garage band, basement band, bedroom band thing with some buddies? Uh, in a way, I grew up in Manhattan in New York City, so, so nobody had a garage. But we did torture uh, our parents and neighbors by setting up bands in our bedrooms and, uh, and wailing away. I had many musician friends. And what did you do? A- did you play tip? No, 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 no. I was playing. <laughs> I had a, I had a blue set of Ludwig drums at that point. You got a trap kit. You know what trap stands for, right? You know what? It's actually an abbreviation. I had no idea. What is it for? You know, because they come out of New Orleans. And they're, yeah. they're actually invented by drummers, you know, because contraption. Oh, contraption. Yeah. They'd have China gongs and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. They all fit together. That's what they, they call the trap kit, the contraption. And I Thanks guess for Ludwig, turning me onto that, Mike. That yeah, I had well, no I've got drummer friends, and in fact, <laughs> we're, we all could be better. In fact, if I was music czar, or or education czar, to graduate, you'd have to learn drums and then visit a foreign country. That'd be my policy. But mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I'm really interested because you know they, they were used as military field drums to keep. Uh, cats to march to and shit you know that's right that's why the traditional grip right it's got that weird sideway because you were it was on a sling so uh you got yourself did you get your own kit or did your parents i did and i I did and i have no memory i have no memory where i got it it was a 66 light blue set of ludwigs so in those days uh uh, probably three ply three ply pearl it was just a kick one tom one floor tom I had snare. Like Ringo. And, uh, what? Like Ringo. Exactly like Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like Ringo. Okay. And uh, I, wailed, I wailed the hell out of those drums. Uh, then I sold it to a, an actual session drummer. I used them on an Elton John record years later. What was the first gig you went and saw? Oh, that was Fillmore East. Uh, I saw... Edgar Winter's White Trash. Ah, White Trash, good band. Yeah, Rick, great band. Was Rick Derringer with them? Because that was the Winter Brothers, probably. Rick Derringer was with them, and I think the, the opener was Albert King. Albert King. And uh, what was his, the bass man's name? Mr. Hartman. We lost him. He was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great band. They'd do a half-hour version of Tobacco Road. <laughs> yeah, I was blown away by Edgar Winters. Right, it's the first rock show I ever saw, and I had a pretty pretty good seats, maybe fourth row center, and uh, it was the Fillmore East. You know, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face for the pot smoke. And yeah, yeah. 
it, it was so loud and so exciting. I was just, I was amazed by the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something else, that band. And then, you know, the brothers went on to do their own thing. Edgar Winter's still charging hard. He lives here. He's in, still charging hard. Yeah, he lives in SoCal now. Yeah. Yeah. But he got clean before he died, so that was pretty cool. John Winter was one of the first gigs I saw where you didn't you didn't buy a seat. It was they call it uh, festival seating, so you could you know like a club, right? I'd never been to a club until the movie. Right. Okay, look, you gave me some music here, uh, or Howard did uh, some more co uh, coma teens. This is separate. Take my word. 
Sun. 
this song's not about drugs in America.
night Mad tender To be heard To be held Castle night Mad tender To be heard To be held To not conquer To not conquer Do not vanish Non ci sei Fuori specchio A vista Ma distante Castle night Mad tender To be heard To be held
you playing music right now? I've just pasted in there. Uh, people, you're, you're ruining the, the fourth wall. You're doing the fourth wall thing. You're ruining, ruining the illusion there, Nick. <laughs> uh, people, we just heard uh, Comatines. Well, that chunk of music starting it off was Comatines doing separate. Then Kim Cran's brand new Golden Tears. It, uh, some other new stuff here. Atasca with Milk. Uh, S-T-R-F-K-E-R. S-T-R-F-K-R. Maybe it means Starfucker. Huh? Rolling Stone song. Together Forever. Uh, L-666 with This Is The Love. 666. Uh, Flow, which is performed live. Eugene, Difficult Music Ensemble, New Music Fest 2023, Day 3, composed by Alicia Castillo, performed by the Eugene Difficult Music Ensemble, Eugene, Oregon. Thank you, Randolph Graham. Uh, James Jonathan Clancy, brand new album from him, out of Bologna, Italy, Castle Night. Then the Retail Simps, uh, Quebec. And with brain and stomach. Finally, comatines. Elizabeth's lover. Okay. So, you're jamming with your friends in the bedroom there. Uh, a pre-Elton John's drummer man sale. Uh, are they just jam bands or do you end up doing gigs? Oh no, we we, we we wrote songs and did gigs. We we played CDs. Ah, I was going to ask you about the the material. Uh, so so yeah. you were because me and D Boone when we were boys, you know, we're talking the early seventies, and like everybody we knew just copied or tried to copy shit off records. No, we we were writing our own That's things. Beautiful. And, That's and getting beautiful. Getting out there. Uh, tell me about the first gig. First gig was at CBGB in nineteen maybe. 75. Okay. Uh, we, we played about 2 o'clock in the morning. This is, this is Comatines? No, this was a way previous band that I was in called The Eels. Okay. The and, Eels. Uh, yeah, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. There was maybe six people in the room, but we yeah. did it. We call those character builders. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a character the size of the country. <laughs> Serious dudes, let me tell you. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> If you can't play them gigs, you'll deserve the other kind. That's what, uh, Henry Rollins has a big spiel about that. that That's uh, absolutely true. Yeah, I, I've played to empty rooms to to zero people. Well, we call those pracs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about that first gig. So there were six people, but were you scared? I, I, I wasn't really scared. Uh, no, I can't say I was. Okay, that's that's all right. And uh, you consider it a success. I consider it a success because from going from going to from playing in bedrooms to playing at GB's, which was such a famous place at the time, uh, I consider that a big success, big step forward. Yeah. Okay. So what happens with the Eels? Do they record? We recorded a, a bunch of uh, songs in the Greenwich Village. Uh, no, we didn't release anything, but we did record a whole bunch of. Well-recorded demo tapes. Because uh, you did, I didn't get any eels, so I'm, I'm curious. How, no, what did it sound like? How many, how many piece? It was four piece, two guitars, bass, drums, and it was kind of jazzy. It was a bit jazzy. Okay. And were you guys still teenagers? 
We were still teenagers. Yes. Wow. So, so wow. What what, what was the jazz influence? Um. Well, let's see. One guy was very influenced by Captain Beefheart. Whoa. The other guy was influenced by Ragtime, and kind of. Uh, Scott Joplin kind of, uh, and Fats Waller. Exactly. Yeah. And what and about the you? Two of them mashed together. It was kind of weird. And what about you, Nick? You're a Beatles was, man, I, right? Yeah, I was a Beatles fan. I was I was the drummer. I just uh, wanted to do a great job. Yeah, but rock and roll drummer is very very important. <laughs> We're the most important thing, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Biggest mistake Minutemen made was having George Hurley in the back. The last 20 years, I've had all my drummers at the lip of the stage. <laughs> why be in denial, you know? Uh, people jealous. That's why I think all the jokes about them not being musicians and retard. Chico Hamilton could not get songwriting credit. Can you believe that shit? Okay, the notes are, they don't last so long, but... It's drummers still, are the kings of the business because without a great drummer, your band is going to hell. And, uh, you know, you, you can't. And also the, the drummers are the most opportunistic members of the music business because drummers know how much they're valued. And when they find a better gig, they're gone. OK. Yeah. Some wisdom, people. Some <laughs> sage wisdom there. Absorb it. OK, but but. Uh, why didn't the Eels re uh, release anything? Because in those days, um, well, actually, we recorded once for uh, Hilly Crystal at CBGB's. He used to have this thing called Live at CBGB's. He would, every few years, he put out an album, yeah. Live at CBGB's. And we recorded for that, but then he didn't release the record. So that was the end of the Eels. Okay. We just we drifted apart. And then what happens with you musically? After that, I got a job in a big recording studio called Media Sound, New York City. Yeah, I've heard of it. And that's where I met Ramona Jan, who was the, the other comatine, and we started the comatines there. Okay, that's how the comatines get together, okay. That's right. You're, you're, you're actually uh, work colleagues first, okay, but at, we a, were at, a studio, first, yes. at a studio, though. Yeah. At a big studio, yeah. She was one of the first female recording engineers in the country. Wow, much respect. So, so, it's it's a duet, or do you get other members? How how does Comatines? It was a it was a duet. We we started chatting because a lot of big rock bands came into this studio. Yeah, you know, we saw the Ramones, we saw Talking Heads, blah blah blah, and we were chatting and we we were laughing about the idea of starting our own band, and we said, well, let, let's give it a shot, you know. And I went over to her apartment. I had my my nineteen sixty five Hofner Beetle bass. And she had a Fender Telecaster and her father's drum machine. And we set up and we started to just to just play. Uh, the first song we ever played was My Girl by The Temptations. Great bass line. Yeah. But and, she had uh, no yeah, bass and, player. And, but she had no bass player. Who played that? The boom, boop, boop, boom, boop, boop. I did. I was a bass player then. I went oh, from okay. drums. Okay. After the Eels, I decided I wanted to play bass. Great. What was uh, your first bass there, Nick? It was a 1965 Hofner. It was that Hofner bass, okay? You know, it was I that got Hofner bass. I I've bought got it. We one. buy guitars on 48th Street. I bought. I paid eighty dollars for it. People, everything used to be on 48th Street. Manny's, all that stuff. It's all gone now. Everything's all like, gone. Everything's in Chelsea, right? 25th Street, around. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, Guitar Center on 14th Street is there. 
But, yeah, uh, but, but the Street old days, amazing. 48th Street was the, the, the place, man. We buy guitars, Sam Ass, that's where he started. Uh, you know, I got a Hofner, but it's made in China. I got it for only 220 dollars. But, man, it plays good. I always keep it where I conk. I do a lot of my composing. It weighs like mm-hmm. three pounds. got tiny little flat wounds on it. Right. What was your first amp, Nick? My first amp was a, it was a custom it was one of those. Yeah, those with the little tuck, the <laughs> little padded thing. And it was it was upholstered with blue vinyl. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, they look good. They kind of not such good sound. Creedence liked them. I saw. I've it never it seen weighs as much as a car. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, I'm a little prejudiced the bass, so I want to know this stuff. Did you use fingers or did you use a pick or did you always use, both? use fingers? It took fingers. me a long time to use a pick. Even yeah. now, I don't really use a pick. Yeah, it's difficult for me, too. I mean, it's all vocabulary. It's probably good to know both. But, man, it's harder to lose fingers than it is picks. And my next base was a 73 Precision, which I bought also at Levi. Wow. Um, I got a non-reverse Thunderbird there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It said DD Remote on the case. I pulled the headstock off of the first gig. It was half... Bondo, you know that plastic shit that you uh, <laughs> yes. fix cars with you. Yeah. Well, you bring a magnet when you buy a used car, people, because Bondo <laughs> don't stick to magnets. <laughs> oh man, I, what a trip! So I'd love to have a Thunderbird based. I love those bases. The non-reverse, right? That's strange yeah. looking ones. Mm-hmm. I only made them a couple of years. Uh, Comatines was at first just a recording concern. It wasn't a gig thing yet, right? No, Comatine started as a gig thing and then went to recording. Oh, sure. I got it half-assed backwards. What? Always. Look, let's. we'll get more to it because we're at the end of the first hour, January 12, 2024 edition. What? Pete Rush, special guest, Nick Demlin. Hold tight for hour two. January 12, 2024. It's the second hour of the What from Pete Show.
commentary, her face is in a rage. Lots of humor, lots to make it troll.
sun I'm having trouble discerning Wrong from right Returning To this waste of time 10k Left hanging Left hanging All the dead Will come back to haunt me You're focusing on That one thing To the detriment Of all the other things Again
Watch for Pedro Show starting off the second hour with Dizzy and the Romalars. Foreign correspondent. Then we had Barbes. Barbez, sorry, with Tehran. Beautiful poem there. Reynos, Argentina, with uh, Sojos Abreiro, Abreiro, 1956, year before I was born. Malady of Knots with Postures. It's from the Welcome to Gaza Benefit Cop. Randolph Graham put out. Uh, ben Salter out of Tasmania with Pill Pop and Bad Boy from Middle Class. Finally, more dizzy in the Romalars with Push Button Drive. Okay, so you got together your repertoire, including My Girl. So I guess there was at least one cover and maybe nine originals. And then you do your first gig. Our first gig was in December 1978. Do you, do, are you familiar with the New York uh, club scene at all back in the 70s? Uh, didn't get to play there until early 80s. There was a place called Irving Plaza. Oh, yeah, I played there many times. Okay, so, well, in the lobby, they, had, they, they, they hired us to entertain people as they were coming into the lobby to see the show upstairs. That was my first gig in the Comatines. Okay, great. And how that gig? Was that a success? Like the, That uh, was a complete success. Okay. I still have pictures of it. And, and who, is it just still a duet? Well, by this time, we had... We had Brought another person into the band. Her name is Lynn Bird. And her only job at the time was to, to control the rhythm box. So she would stand in the corner, set the rhythm box. I'd punch it on with, the, with a foot pedal and we'd play. Ramona and I would play. She wouldn't play anything, Lynn. Um, and then we decided we wanted her to play keyboard. So we got her a little synthesizer. And she started playing single note keyboard lines. Okay. Uh, you know, you gave me this music, Dizzy and the Romalars. This was Ramona's band after the Comatines. Okay. But before? Uh, before you, mean, you were doing Eels while she was doing Dizzy and the Romalars? No, 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 no. After, no, there was two Comatines. Okay. There was me and Ramona. Yeah. And then we split up. She went on did Dizzy and the Romalars, and I continued to do comatines with my brother in her place. Okay, okay. Thank you for enlightening me. <laughs> and uh, did you guys do gigs together? What? Dizzy and the Romalars yeah. and comatines? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Never did. Yeah, because sometimes that happens, right? Uh, in fact, uh, were you involved with any of who who was in the Dizzy besides uh, Ramona? You'd have to talk to, to Ramona about that because oh, okay. I did not know who was in Dizzy in the Romola. Wow, it was a whole nother world. But they were Manhattan, right? They were Manhattan, but we just didn't cross paths. Sure, we sure. cross paths. It's it, you know it's a it's a it's a town where you can bump into anybody, but it's also a town where you can get lost, right? No question. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we got you gave me another Dizzy in Romola song, uh, Star Time. Let's listen.
Watch for Pedro Show. Uh, that chunk of music started off with Dizzy and the Romalars doing Star Time. And out of Chicago, Cheer Accident with Salon, parenthesis, suburb. Bullets or Balloons out of uh, Spokanistan, Pantry Dropper. Riptides, that's Pedro, that's got Pipatica. Eliminator. Guitar Man, this is the sh Shred Bread version dedicated to Gary Moore and Eddie Van Halen from A.B. Dickus. I think that's how you pronounce it, D-I-C-C-H-U-S. Then Ray Shin with Disjoint, and finally Venus Flytrap with I Want to Be Your Girlfriend. Venus Flytrap, enlighten us there, Nick. Venus Flytrap is another one of Ramona's bands, and that's the band that came after Dizzy and the Romalars, I believe. But I, I again, know, know nothing about this group. By the way, Star Time is a song that actually we played in the Comatines. And, uh, <laughs> a lot good, of overlap, good. right? A lot of overlap and then complete non-connect. <laughs> that's true. That's absolutely true. And, you know, you know Nick, we should uh, tell the listeners about... Yeah, why why are you alone with this uh, talk? Because uh, well, Ramona's not very well now, yeah, and I wish yeah. her, wish her all the best. Me, and I, me you know, too. I wish me her too. Recovery. Yeah, yeah. People, she's not very well. So if it's, it seems like something's missing, it is. But you know, life brings these kind of things, and we just have to play it the best we can. And uh, so if it seems like uh, Nick ain't got answers, well, of course. <laughs> so and, and and Venus Flytrap never played with Comatines? Nope, never did. And you don't know any of the band members? Don't know any of the band members. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so but it's good music. I like it. Mm-hmm. Do you know do you know where the uh, actually the recordings are, are really interesting. Uh, you know where they, they were done? Which what which recordings? Well, Fly both Trap? Dizzy and uh, Romalars and Venus Flytrap. Not a clue. Have no idea. Yeah, because they're they're really interesting, uh, you know, especially for those days. Pretty detailed, good sound and stuff. Well, Ramona, you know, from her experiences in, at Media Sound, she became a very good um, engineer and producer. That's why. That makes sense. That's right. Media Sound. Okay. See that? You don't just leave the work at the office, people. You bring it home and you make your fucking band sound good. Damn right. <laughs> Great idea. And and what about, okay, at this, why she's got this going on in the parallel universe that you're occupying, what are you doing with the Comatines at this at that period? Well, by by that time, we'd, we'd, we'd get a major label deal with Virgin Records in, in Europe, and we were playing a lot in Europe. We were playing in England, playing in France. So are your first uh, tours overseas then? My first tour was overseas. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, so we were, we kind of lost uh, touch a little bit with, with what was going on in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, a lot of New York City bands, especially the Avant Garde, the Lower East Side thing, they end up probably playing Europe more than they do the U.S. I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, we're talking a little later, right? Late eighties and stuff. We we did we did do some uh, we did do several U.S. tours. We toured with Flock of Seagulls. We toured with That's the Fix, the, the New Wave bands. Yes, wow. with New Wave bands. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. What was their song? Iran. 
I ran I ran so far oh, away. <laughs> right, right. And and Comatine, you know, varieties who wants to see a bunch of the same bands anyway? You should have it all spread around and stuff. But but how did that kind of connect happen? Was it the Virgin thing? Well, once we had a major label deal, um we got connected with all sorts of bands who needed opening acts and uh, we joined the William Morris Talent Agency, which set up tours for us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was not really uh, involved with setting up those connections. Okay. And and now you were on bass, right? You're, so you're playing with a drummer. Now, what was I, that I, like? I was playing bass, and I was we were playing with a, with a damn good drummer named Chuck Sabo. Yeah, d- well... Like I'm imagining, like playing drums in uh, Dave Grohl's band. You know, when you're playing, right? The the drummer knows, you know, the boss knows what he wants, right? And right. The, but you said this was a great drummer. How, how, did, you, great how, drummer. how did you meet him? Uh, we were looking for drummers, and we 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 put out an ad, and this we auditioned. I don't know, twenty drummers, and uh, this guy was great. And you know, from you Pennsylvania, for, he yeah. subsequently moved to London. Okay. But he was, you know, he was amazing. We toured with him for a few years. Now, was the band a trio? No, the band was uh, two guitars. Li- okay, so you still okay? Yeah, no, it was a guitar, bass, keyboard, and drums. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, a keyboard instead of another guitar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who, who uh, you might mention names? Who was on the keyboard? Who was on the guitar? I was bass, and my brother Oliver. Oh, was wow. Guitar. Now, what um, was that like, playing with your brother? Oh, that was amazing. Okay, great. Um, and then there was Lynn Bird on uh, synthesizer okay. keyboards. And so the Chuck lady who was mind, she started off minding the uh, rhythm machine, and now she's a permanent member on the keyboard. Okay, great. At this, that's right. Wow, wow. Evolution, right? Evolution. Evolution, I love it. We're at the end of the second hour, January 12th. 2024 edition walk Pedro Show special guest Nick Damlin. Hold tight for hour three. January 12, 2024. It's the third hour walk for Pedro Show. One piece at a time, all in a line. 
third hour with Marvina's Flytrap, Loves Akimbo, and Sunken Lanes with Just Bones from River to the Sea. River to Sea. Foist an article on him or what. Ran Curlian with The Narrowest Strip. Urinal Cakes of America. That's a band name. 
Crack Shop. That's a song title. And finally, Venus Flytrap, Push Button Drive. Now, Nick, Push Button Drive yes. was also done by Dizzy and the Romelar. So she, she uh, recycled some tunes, right? I just want to say that I'm so sorry that Ramona's not here to, to tell to tell us about her bands. Yeah. The Romelars, Venus Flytrap. Yeah. You know, there's big stories behind those groups. I, I can imagine, right? A whole life. And, uh, well, you know, hopefully she gets better and, man, I can have her on the show and you guys can come on again and we can rap about stuff. I'm sure she would love to do that. Just so unfortunate. Yeah. You know, I've been doing it 22 years, seven months, only 22 wow. years, seven months more. So there'll be there'll be another opportunity. And uh, I mm -hmm. just I just hope she pulls through this stuff. Uh, but uh, tell me about Ark of the Comatines. Well, uh, we were together after Ramona. We were together until, well, in 1987, my brother passed away. So that that kind of blew the band out of the water. And yeah. I continued just with Lynn Bird as a duo until 1992. And after that, we, we stopped. Um, and I became a songwriter for other people. Wow. I went behind the scenes after that. Wow. And in Comatines, you were writing a lot of the songs, right? We were doing all originals by that time. And we started out with a lot of covers, but by that time we were doing all originals. And in the in the process, was it collaborative, or did you bring songs in? Did you make demos for them? Or absolutely, it was totally collaborative. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Somebody come in with an idea, and everybody else a dogpile. Yeah, okay. Right, that's right. Yeah, that's kind of that, that's why you call it a group. <laughs> yeah, but but after. Comatines, you go into like man alone mode. What would I you go do? into man alone mode, and I, through all the people that I've met over the years in the music yeah. business, I started writing music for other people. You mean on demand, or were you just coming up with tunes and say, "Hey, check this out"? Both, both. I would do okay. both. And did this uh, entail making demos? It did. I even worked for a while as a staff songwriter for a publishing company. You mean like a Brill Building kind of trip? Yep, like a real building kind of trip. This was in France. <laughs> the Dan came out of that, right? Lou Reed came out of it. The Dan definitely came out of that. Yeah, yeah. Jay and the Americans. They used to work for Jay and the Americans. Right, right, right. The touring band. That's why they didn't want to tour for a long time. <laughs> but uh, I hated touring. What was that experience? I haven't had a lot like professional songwriters on the show. Compare that with like, you know, being in a band that plays gigs. Well, being in a band that plays gigs, I, 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 I compare being a rock musician to being like a construction worker. Okay. Um, there's a lot of physical, it's a lot of physical stress. You know, you're, you're humping equipment at four o'clock in the morning into, into vans. It's two degrees outside. Um, it's, it's very physically demanding, but being a songwriter is, is intellectually demanding, but not physically demanding. Yeah, because you got to create, right? Or reinvent. you got to create, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Repurpose. It seems, you know, because, right, the 12 uh, semitones and stuff, and you, you assemble them in different arrangements and stuff like that. And uh, it's trippy about it. you got to make things familiar enough that you'll push away people, but then you got to be original. 
At the same that's time. absolutely true. Yeah, so that that's almost as rough as schlepping shit at two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on, you know, because I've I've done both, man, and I would say they're yeah, yeah, in, in, interesting, and 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 uh, okay, there's a thing. Did you have cat, cats? Hey, I need a song about fire trucks. Hey, I need a song no, about a garbage no, truck. No, not no, stuff like that. That has never happened. I've never written well actually i did write a couple of um like like in uh, the art world uh drawn and stuff you'd call that guy an illustrator right you wouldn't call him a right. painter yeah i did do a couple of a couple of things for uh tv pilots and that's that was kind of specific sure sure because you got to watch the thing and then kinda, right uh, interpret it yeah mm -hmm. interesting uh what about this jan Turan? Jan Turan, uh, that's Ramona's that's Ramona's last name and her husband's last name. Okay. It's Ramona Jan and Andre Turan. Ah, and that's their, okay, that's their I duo. understand. Yeah, okay, because I got three tunes here I want to play. Uh, this is the last the music Howard gave me. So let's listen. Me and my pink Mustang Flying down the coast Trying my best to coast Me and my pink Mustang Betting it so This time I'm letting you go Yet in every town That's touched by the sun
Imagine a time where there's no war and enter a place near the heart. United we are, strong in spirit. It's time to take a stand. We are strong in spirit. It's time to take a
across the floor past the ballroom door the parlor
Pedro Show last music for this edition. That chunk started off with Jen Turan with My Pink Mustang. Then we had Barry Stock with Cathedral of the Ants. New Nobility with Flyover. Jan Turan again with the Lauren Laura Darling. Jack Hertz with The Dispossession. And finally, reminds me of uh, The Trial, right? By Franz Kafka. 
Jan Taram with Die Like a Dog. <laughs> right? What an ending, right? Well, I guess he never wanted that thing published anyway, but whoa. <laughs> pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was actually laughing through that thing, but then you get to that part, it's, yeah, it's hard to laugh. Uh, so what's up for you now, Nick? Well, now I continue to to to, to music. I, I play in a little uh, kind of a folk duo right now, and um, I'm still writing a little bit, and I'm um, just keeping the fire, keeping the fire banked, as they say. Now, no, when you say gigs, it's like local, or do you tour? No, just local gigs. Okay, local okay. gigs. Yeah. And when you say write, just for yourself, or is it that build building kind of thing still? No, I I, I just for myself right now. Okay. Okay. And, you know, all these years, you know, since the 70s, you've been doing all this. What kind of advice could you tell some cat just getting into this racket? You know what? It's so different now than when I started. I wouldn't know what to say because the scene that that existed when I started just does not exist anymore. So uh, we got a building here in Pedro. It's called the Union Ice (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's been boarded up for a number of years now. In fact, one of the apartments I had here at Pedro had this ice box, right? I mean, not a, not a slang. It actually was. Mm-hmm. So that changed, right? So maybe it, music business or racket. Remember, Elvis said, I wish it was a business. <laughs> yeah, Louisiana, I mean, uh, it, you know, there were so many places to play when I was when I was young, you know, and, and there's, no, there's nowhere to play. Ah, lack of uh, gig opportunities, is that what you Lack saying? of gig opportunities, lack of social kind of, you know, people are now just making music in their bedroom because you can you can make a whole album in your bedroom now. There, there is the kind of um, That's interchange a bad thing? that there used to be. That's a bad thing? Well, it's bad. It's bad. Well, I wouldn't say bad. It's just, it's different. It's econo. uh, You don't have to pay some big studio. But you know what? Here's the physical thing. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Small clubs, record stores, uh, you know, where bands start, people meet each other, right? Right. Okay. Are you talking about that kind of? Because I I, I definitely think that. Yes, I am. I'm talking about that kind of thing. Now people are, everyone's in their own little bubble. And... um, you know, they put their music out there into social media, um, but they have no they have no live experience whatsoever. Um, so they they're kind of missing an element of of interchange with an audience, which I think cannot be easily replaced. Yeah, and you know, a cat who's been there from the old days, I respect that perspective big time. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, being able to record Econo is not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Look, when you get some more stuff up with this duo, this folk music thing, will you come back on the show and we can play the music and talk about it? I will. I will. Mike, I've, I've enjoyed this a lot. I will absolutely come back on the show. Oh, beautiful. Thanks so much, Steve. People, it's been the January 12, 2024 edition of Watt for Pedro Show. Keep your pa-